Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer living on the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, otherwise known as Vancouver, Canada. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world to talk more about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious and prosperous existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to A Voice for Love. This is Surya and I'm super excited today to welcome my special guest, Dr. Alexina Mehta. Welcome. Hi, how are you? I am good. How are you? Very happy to be seeing you. Yes, me too. And so please tell everyone a little bit about yourself for anyone who doesn't know you. Sure. Thanks so much for the opportunity to connect with the audience and any new people to your podcast. So my name's Alexina. I'm, well, I'm a human being on a journey, just like all of you. I often find it a little strange, you know, when we introduce ourselves from our profession, because our profession can change throughout the course of our lives. And it's one aspect of so many different aspects that make us who, who we are. So, uh, but for the purpose of giving you a bit of context with myself, I have been working as a naturopathic doctor for almost 13 years or more than 13 years now. I think after 10, I start to lose, I've started to lose track of time. And I have focused a lot on women's health and the mind-body connection throughout my practice. I have I've been working in the clinic, seeing patients for this time period. And uh, of course, in the last uh, little while, a lot online as well, like many people who have been affected by the current world situation. And I have a huge interest in speaking to groups. And a lot of my work over the last few years has been on education, talking to Uh, women and children, primarily in how to take care of your health from aspects of the body, the mind and the spirit, how to navigate change and transformation, and how to manage stress in uh, very difficult times, which is something that we're all living right now. Some other areas that I'm really interested in are palliative care, the space between life and death and how to navigate that. And uh, I'm actually going to be doing a few talks in the near future in the next couple of months in how to uh, empower yourself as a woman in these times with with respect to self-image and how to love your body and nurture your body and how to honor your body as a sacred vessel. So... Lots of topics. I know I could probably go on and on and on about <laughs> all of my interests. I, I'm also a practitioner of Ayurveda. I've done cranial sacral therapy training, bone therapy. I'm certified in IV therapy and prescribing and acupuncture. And mostly I love learning. You can probably tell. <laughs> and I love sharing what I learn. 
with those who are interested in that. So yeah, so thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, thanks for coming. And yeah, I was going to say you're so much more than your your profession, which already I feel like naturopathic medicine encompasses such a wide variety of, of things anyway, which is what makes it so interesting. And you can add, like you know, there's so many complementary pieces there that work with it. But, you know, I know you to do so many things. <laughs> like you said, you just named a few there and I can already think yeah. more, <laughs> including I've seen you um, do, you've been studying dance as well. Um, yes. uh, the Baranatium dance, which you're very good yeah. at. I, I, it's oh, in your, it's in your, it's in your genes. It must be. Do you have any dancers <laughs> yeah. in your family? Uh, well, I guess my mom. I did see her dance as a child, so if that counts. <laughs> but I think we've got a lot of um, explorers in my family. My, I, I just come to think of uh, my great grandfather was a map maker in India back in the early 1900s. So great grandfather, not grandfather, great grandfather, and. He was part of part of a group of explorers that had traveled around northern China uh, on the Silk Route, and they had discovered the Temple of the Thousand Buddhas. And uh, in that discovery, they found thousands of artifacts. And the oldest book that's known to humankind so far called the Diamond Sutras. So my great grandfather was on that expedition, and because of that. He was knighted in India at the time. And, um, and actually my grandfather, so my father's father, uh, worked as a clerk at the Dalai Lama's office at one point in his <laughs> lifetime. And um, my father was uh, a, a definitely an explorer as well. I traveled all over the world on ships for 27 years before I was born. And yeah, so I certainly have that exploring creative kind of energy within me. And uh, that's another thing that I love to do. I love to take people on retreats and journeys. And um, in particular, I'm, I'm very interested and inspired by the sacred temples around the world from all of the traditions. I've it's interesting to see, you know, the places that we gravitate towards when we go on quote unquote vacation <laughs> or travels. And my spirit is always guiding me to temples wherever I go. So it's very interesting. You know, just you know, when you take the time to just observe your own tendencies and habits and the kinds of things that you're drawn to in your life. And for me, it's certainly it's certainly temples and mountains and sacred places. So Hence the reason why I often will, uh, in normal conditions, take groups away uh, to different parts of the world and explore these amazing sacred sites that have had such a huge impact on my life. So I love to also share that. But yes, I would agree, you know, as uh, naturopathic doctors, we're the, the kinds of people that are often attracted to this profession are ones that have a lot of different interests and also see the benefit in being able to be knowledgeable in multiple areas of health to be able to offer more solutions to people who don't have the same knowledge and education in this this field. 
Yeah, it's so interesting. And you, yeah, they, yeah. I have been on, uh, you invited me to come on one of your retreats in Hawaii years oh, ago, yes. remember? And you asked me, I, yeah. I did some I did some singing and some, maybe some massaging and I did some cooking, which I also remember too, because you were like, I need somebody to come and do the music, but you're like, can you cook as well? And I was like, <laughs> well, I've never, and it was one of those things, you know, in life when somebody asks you to do something that you haven't really done, but you're like, you said yes. And, and I remember I actually really, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. You were amazing. Food. I remember that. Actually, I was thinking about that the other day. It's funny how we're talking about it again. And I was having these flashbacks of you in the kitchen and preparing these uber healthy meals that were delicious. And, and just your presence at the retreat, you're such a, as you always are, just a joyful sprite, um, <laughs> bringing happiness wherever you go. And and yeah, that was a really lovely retreat that we did in Kauai. That was super fun. But yes, a, a perfect example of it just how how there's so much beauty that we can explore in this life if we just step out of our comfort zone. You know, for us that was, you know, we had a good that was a good group, and that was a that was like a ten day long journey that we did, and we had so many wonderful experiences. Oh, it was wonderful. Actually, I recently found the pictures somewhere in one of my, I found a bunch of like a disc or on my computer or Dropbox or something. And I found all, and I was having all these wonderful memories of all of that. But, you know, you've done a lot of that, haven't you? You, You've something that you do a lot of is taking, I mean, probably not as much anymore because, uh, you know, COVID obviously has made it difficult for us to do a lot of things. Um, But what is, I mean, I know this is a tough question, but what what is your favorite place or do you want to share a story about somewhere that you've been or I don't know it's hard to pick favorites I know but (laughs) yeah absolutely well I think you know going to India with groups is always I've done it several times now and that's been so fun to bring people to my country of origin and to share the the magic that's in India you know the the Vedic culture the Vedic teachings uh, Ayurveda, which is the oldest system of medicine in the world, as you know, 5,000-year-old system, and to share that with people and to show them that there's this incredible holistic system that's been practiced for so many centuries that still is practiced, and uh, mainly in India and a few other countries in Nepal, Sri Lanka, and a few other countries just outside of India. Uh, but to bring people to a center there and to have an opportunity to live a lifestyle that honors the soul uh, and not just our physical desires, it has been really inspiring for the people who have come. And, you know, I'm thinking of um, one group in particular, actually the last group that I took there in 2019, there were several people that had various health concerns and it was really uplifting for them to see that, okay, you know, if I go on this retreat and I take this time away from my daily life and all of my habits and routines, many of which are probably not necessarily in the best interest of my overall health, but yet I'm attached to them and comfortable in them. And I've been practicing those routines for so long and they go to a place like this and they, they completely start from scratch, you know, with the different rituals and the the morning meditation and the lunchtime pranayama and the afternoon yoga and the Ayurvedic meals that are vegetarian and focus on 
respecting the dosha that the person is exhibiting and helping them with their symptoms and taking these herbal remedies and, you know, walking in the grounds and communing with the, the beautiful exhibits of the gods and the goddesses in the Indian pantheon and feeling the sacredness of, of life there and how thousands and thousands of people have come to those places and prayed on those lands and to feel that communion and connection and to know that that lives within them. And that's been very rewarding for me to witness in people. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always interesting for me because I've heard in the past that people go to India and they, there's two kinds of experiences that they can have. You know, there's people who really love it. And then there's people where it's very challenging and, uh, pretty much, I think everybody that I've, I've chaperoned to India has loved India. And you know, there, then there was a trip that we did about three years ago and everybody was brand new, had never been essentially off the continent of North America. So for them, it was a big culture shock and they all loved it. And, you know, that was just so awesome to witness their process and how they took it all in. That particular trip, we had gone to an Ayurvedic retreat, and then we had also gone to a Tibetan Buddhist monastery in South India that I also often go to, which that's in conjunction with the Numa Institute. And that was also an incredible experience to be there with uh, all these bright-eyed, fresh faces that were taking in the beauty of Tibetan Buddhism and the rituals and the the prayer and the reverence of the sacred on, on those lands and being amongst all these monks whose sole purpose in life is to pursue their enlightenment and to feel what that feels like to be around people where that is their focus in their life and everything else, everything is to serve that purpose, you know, with um, compassion and kindness, whenever they meet anyone on their path, you know? So it's it's very inspiring, very, very uplifting and inspiring. Yes. Well, as you know, I, I love India as well. And I have also yes. observed <laughs> this phenomenon of like India, Mother India either opens up and welcomes you with open arms or she like spits you out and sends you back <laughs> home with your tail between your legs. And I've seen this so many times too. And I've been very blessed and fortunate to have very good, you know, I've had my hand, you know, I've had my share of like wild, bizarre India experiences, but that kind of goes with it. But I always have felt very loved and taken care of and, you know, very embraced when I'm there but I've seen other people it's like from the minute they hop off the plane everything bad happens everything goes wrong and it's 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 very interesting I don't know and to me that's why I'm always like I have a great reverence for for mother India so when I'm there I'm just like okay you know respect respect the land respect the mother and she will respect you I'm not saying that those people didn't I just find it interesting that for whatever reason they were just riddled with one bad experience after the next and it made them never want to go back again (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's um, it's a, the first time that I set foot on India as an adult. So I had gone there as a, a young girl with my mom, but that was, you know, three, four years old, but then gone back when I was in my late 20s. And I remember that time, I just felt this calm come over me, even though, you know, there's a lot going on in India and in the chaos, there's, there's also calm. And I felt that calm, you know, on that land and 
just how, yeah, how I was home, you know, I was home in my, uh, amongst my fellow humanity in India and was just really, really happy to be there. So yes, I, I look forward to when we can go back there, hopefully soon. And I look forward to bringing people back to India and exploring the, the sacred culture and the wisdom and the healing practices of um, Ayurveda and, and, and also all the arts, you know, the music, the dance, uh, the, the artists are incredible. I remember just being blown away by the talent of, of artists there. And I'm remembering right now, as we're talking, being at the Tibetan monastery and walking by some booths um, of artists that would paint these incredible mandalas and yeah, just absolutely amazing, amazing beauty. Yeah, they are. The arts there are really next level. And, you know, no disrespect to any other musician or artist because I, you know, I've worked and collaborated with musicians from everywhere. But the level of skill with the Indian arts, like the the music, the dance, all of it, like it is so next level. And it is so like, you know, from studying the dance, like I went there to try to study Indian classical music and I thought I was going to become proficient at it. Well, that was my my one of my big trips that I did, like my longer trips. That was part of it was that I'd sort of started learning here and then I wanted to go learn more and I did and I continue to learn but I had to accept that for me it was going to be a lifelong you know that it was you know not speaking the language not having the ability to you know make a lot of those sounds and just not being familiar with it but like I remember that trip actually um for the first uh, a friend of mine who's a tablet player uh he took me to a concert and the concert started at I'm not even kidding it started at seven o'clock in the morning and it didn't finish until 11 o'clock at night or midnight the next day and it was full of the most incredible artists like the skill that they have even like the scales that they use down to and I know like with the dance like everything is intentional nothing means nothing everything from every hand gesture every look even with your eyes every foot movement everything it has a meaning it has like everything has a purpose and it's so specific and it's so so I have so much respect for all of the the arts from India because it's so, and you know, as a, this is a good um, kind of place to lead in. Cause I know that, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're actually a woman who comes from a family with an Indian background and there's been yes. so much, you know, uh, you know, cu- sort of cultural appropriation and so much Westernization of all the Indian traditions. So I I think that it's so great that you reconnect, like you reconnected to your own culture and that you can be the one to actually go and, you know, guide people, because I think it's important to have that, you know, authentic experience. Right. Yeah. You know, it was, it was interesting because I think for, many years I was disconnected from it, you know, and growing up in Canada and gosh, in, in a very multicultural kind of community and not, not necessarily really appreciating the depth of my heritage. And it was on that trip in my late twenties, when I went to India, that I felt how there was this aspect of me that was coming alive again in this life. And I was so excited because, you know, when you feel that inspiration that motivates you and guides you on your next steps in life, you feel like, okay, this is why I'm here. You know, this is, this is my purpose. And, and that was a big part of my purpose at that time to, to share the wisdom of India. And, 
you know, to share the, the consciousness in particular, like what you just stated there, that was such a relief. I remember when I came across the, the Vedic teachings and I started reading the words in these books about meditation and intention and consciousness, I remember feeling relieved because I thought, oh, this is what we need in our life. We need this reminder. We need to live from this place. And since then, it's uh, been a guiding light. So, yeah, very happy about coming across that and going on that journey. Well, and how cool was that when you're that to find out that your grandfather or your great grandfather was actually one of the ones to discover one of this, like this very, like the, you said the oldest. I remember yes. when I, I think you shared about that on social media. And I remember when I read that, I remember thinking like, oh, that's where you get so much of your good karma from. Because oh. I, like, I know that's how it works. You know, one of my friends had a, um, she had a client and this particular client, he always had the best luck always. And everybody was like, oh. why, why do you have such good luck? And then I guess he discovered unbeknownst to him that his either grandfather or great grandfather was considered like a living Buddha in, I believe oh. it was like Burma where they were from. And they didn't know this, but the, the grandfather or the great grandfather was like, um, they'd been separated somehow. But then what they discovered was he was like a living Buddha and he blessed so many people and all of these things. So it's like the, this, this guy, guy in this life was actually kind of like writing the good karma because that's how it works with our ancestors right like that's yes. the you know we we we, we uh, receive all of these things from our ancestors right some of them are yes. things to be transformed but some of them are these beautiful gifts because I can imagine like you know that kind of discovery because you know um you know I'm familiar with them as well like the ancient sutras of India are just like like they really are like yes. diamond knowledge it is like yes. sparkling diamond you know and it's and it's amazing that it is some of the oldest maybe the oldest recorded teachings are yeah. they on the planet there's some of them for I sure they, yeah 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 no I I completely resonate with what you're sharing and the blessings you know of from our past and the blessings that we're bringing forward by how we show up in each moment in our lives and yeah so much to be grateful for you know it's uh, I was thinking about that the other day actually just how here we are and we're here as a result of so many blessings that brought us here. You know, the, the thoughts and the, the emotions and the actions of those who were before us that were acting in the name of goodness. And hence, you know, we're here and I feel sharing this knowledge and helping people to understand that we can play an active role in blessing our life and the lives of others by how we show up consciously every day and making that commitment every day. And we all know that it's an effort, that it's not something that comes naturally, so to speak. It's something that is present within us and yet we need to practice it every day. It's like the arts, you know, the dance or the music or medicine or healing of any kind it's a practice a practice that takes effort and the more effort that we we give it and the more love that we bring to it and consciousness that we bring to it then it does become more natural and and more the, the path that we travel consciously nonetheless consciously you know but the one that we choose to take 
day by day. Oh, thank you so much for saying that because that's a bang on. And I say this to the clients, especially all the time. I, I liken it to like endurance training, you know, like when yeah. we're creating new habits and when we're trying to break old ones that don't serve us anymore, like we can't always expect them just to shift, just like, you know, just sometimes, you know, these miracles yeah. happen and, you know, something yeah. just shifts like that. But a lot of the time it really takes work and it takes effort. And it's like, you know, if you were trying to lose weight or build muscle mass at the gym, you would have to show up every day and do the, the work over and yeah. over again. Well, it's the same thing with when we want to change these habits and patterns or maybe be more kinder or more compassionate because that initial, it's like a, you know, like a samskara, you know, that word that, which is like the ancient Sanskrit word, which is like our kind of our, our, our tendencies from past lives. And the samskaras are usually the negative ones, right? But when those mm. tendencies kick in, sometimes they can be very difficult to overcome because they're like almost like a part of us, but yet we recognize, I don't want to be like this anymore. Like I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be so angry. I don't want to be so quick to be to, to anger. And then we have to put in the work to, to change it, which is the spiritual practice. Right. Yeah, and, and to exactly. me, I'm like, I don't, you know, you know, I'm sure if we could go into this, cause I know you mentioned the piece <laughs> about, and I loved your post the other day about the, about women, women showing their bodies, but I feel like the online spiritual world has become so focused on like money and personal appearance. And just like all of this, mm -hmm. everybody look at me, I'm a rock star superhero. And I feel like I'm over here screaming, like that is not the purpose of the spiritual path. Like we're with the purpose purpose of the spiritual path is like, can we be more kind? Can we be yeah. more compassionate? Can we stop yeah. reacting where we would have yeah. gotten angry and blown up? Can we like keep it inside and try to like ground it so we don't react and cause more negative effect in the world? Like exactly. that is the purpose of the spiritual path. It's not, of course, yeah. we can enjoy the good things in life and all of sure. these things. Yeah. I, I have no problem with this, of course. And I'm an advocate yeah. of this as well, but you know, this is not that the purpose. And I get so frustrated sometimes because I'm like, what is, it's almost like, um, it's like Babylon. It's like people are spouting all these like um, spiritual truths, but they're being like, they're just, they're just um, still in the matrix. Do you know what I mean? It's like, they're so in yeah. the matrix. Yeah. I think that if we come back to the basics, that that's really what the, the mystics have been teaching through all the sacred books, you know? So when people ask me about spirituality and where to start, I recommend going back to books like the Bhagavad Gita, you know, for example, and other sacred books from different cultures, you know, the, the, the sacred books that were written by the people that chose a conscious path in life and by beings that contributed to that, you know, and those wisdom teachings are present in all traditions and they're consistent. So they point to things like the values, good values and good virtues. So things like service to God, you know, which is helping your fellow brothers and sisters, you know, service to your being, you know, listening to your heart, listening to the calling of your heart and Virtues like generosity, compassion, kindness, like you mentioned, patience, tolerance, purity, light, wisdom, joy, happiness, supporting one another through difficult moments in life, and all the other virtues that we respect in our fellow humanity. You know, when we see acts of good 
to help one another. So it's really very simple. We think about a spiritual path and spiritual life, self-improvement, transformation, helping each other, helping ourselves, purifying uh, our body, our mind, and our spirit to be a vessel for good, for, for helping. And, you know, it reminds me of um, something that we talked about the other day, uh, because as, as you know, my, my father was very ill for a period of time, and I was with him through his transition. And it was really interesting to me, because, you know, I had been studying all these concepts of spirituality that you and I are talking about. I've been studying this for 20 years now. But to see my dad talk about it solely for the last few weeks of his life, you know, when he knew that he was on his, his way to the next journey, next experience, was really confirming for me in the, the teachings that I had been pouring myself into for the last 20 years. And it just further validated and verified for me that this is where I'm going. These, this is the, the right place for me. And yes, this is the path. And um, yeah, it's, it's very, very, I guess the, the word I would use is enlightening <laughs> because it's like a whole other level, you know, when you study these things, but then when you see someone in, in the experience of almost finding the spiritual teachings within their own soul from themselves, while they're transitioning to the other side. And it, it, it was, it was like a magical to witness mm -hmm. that because I realized that these are tr spiritual truths. They exist and they are, they are what they are. And what a beautiful thing to just rest in them and to trust in them, to have that experience, to trust in them more deeply and to keep going know to keep going every day that we, we have an opportunity to get up again the blessing of another day to face our our hearts and to live from our hearts and to be guided by this wisdom that is these these different spiritual truths to, to implement it into our lives in all the little different situations that we encounter you know throughout the day but i like something else that you said in that uh, there's everything takes consciousness you know there's there's no oh that's not important that's not important everything's important you know and and that's something that now I, I feel like I understand on a deeper level much more than before oh that's so beautiful thank you for sharing that and blessings sorry sorry about your condolences for your father I know it's been a little bit now but I know that that's a big yeah. it's a big thing and a lot of a lot of people are transitioning but what a, what a beautiful thing to witness and when you were speaking it sort of reminded me of like when when my son was born his, his father has quite my, my son's dad has quite a few of his own sort of intuitive um, visual gifts and he kept telling me that he could see that when my son was born like he had this beautiful iridescent kind of bubble around him and that, that was it was like it was it had come from kind of like the void and I also got a glimpse into this actually as I was giving birth right right before I gave birth I actually had this experience of like being in the void of like where we all come from and it was like 
pure and it was bliss and it was like this extraordinary experience but then my son's father would tell me because he's much more visual than me in that way he would say like over time I think it was over like the six months he would be like oh that bubble is like waning and waning now it's like that's where he came from like these souls come in as pure light and they come in but then we forget which is what we're taught which is what we're told in so many spiritual teachings right it's like we come from this bliss we come from this all-knowing space but then we come to the human life and then we forget and so then what you're telling me about your father it's like almost like as he was transitioning out it's almost like I bet you if we could have seen that that that's actually what was happening to him that he was getting enshrouded back in that bubble of light preparing to to connect him back up again with that all-knowing wisdom that is his soul and and not just him but everybody but it sounds like you know because your father was probably sounds like he was quite a bit more tuned in than the average um you know than the average person here you know that he spent his life in, you know, doing some spiritual practice and that he had knowledge and whatnot so that he knew, but what a, what a beautiful, what a beautiful experience. You know, it's never easy to lose somebody that we love, but there's, you know, such a, such a precious gift that comes with that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it was a really profound time. I think because, you know, when you hear people, say that when someone that you really love passes on part of you goes with them you know when when you're really close and I never totally understood what that meant until my my dad passed and I realized that you know that wording isn't exactly how I would say it but I think it points to how we're so connected and I I felt that you know, my dad and I were, I mean, we're just so connected. We were so connected in life and, and now we're still so connected. And I've changed that relationship a little bit. I still feel not necessarily, or, or I, or I should rephrase that. I'll say that I don't feel that a part of me has left. I feel like a part of me has opened up more to the eternal connection that I have with my father you know, at, at first, I think when the loss was happening, you know, that initial like detachment of the physical body, which is difficult and painful, I, I did feel like part of me had gone. And then over time, as I continued on with reflecting on what happened and processing what happened and going through the situations and resolving a lot of things internally within myself, and um, praying for my father and and communing with him. And then it it became more clear that really this connection had morphed into something new. And now I embrace that completely. And I'm, I'm very happy, you know, to be able to commune in that way. So it's, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's something that changed over time because I was open to learning more about what that was, you know, yeah. And, and not, and I was thinking like, it's a blessing that you are open to that and facilitating that connection because I always think, you know, I, I very much believe that. And my experience of when people pass is 
I can feel the bigness of their spirit again. Like I, I miss them on the human level and there's the sadness of like, okay, I'm never going to see them again. But what I feel in spirit is that they become larger than life. And, and some people that I know, like I, I can swear there are things that have happened in my life that were coordinated by people on the other side. And I, the signs are there, like the feeling is there, the knowing is there. And I'm like, somehow they can still orchestrate things from where they are. And it's almost like they yeah. become larger. Like when we leave the human body behind because you know like earth is a beautiful experience and to be a human being is this wonderful incredible experience that we're having and yet the soul is, is so much larger and we sort of have to condense in order to be to be here in the density of the earth right so there is this liberation but then it's also combined with this you know when it's somebody that you're very close to it can be you know in our, in our humanness it is it is you know it's 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 hard to know that we may never see we're not going to have that experience of someone again but it's beautiful that you're open to that because I think sometimes people that look at death in more of a linear way I think it maybe must be so much harder for them to grieve if it's just like okay the person is gone gone but to me I'm like they're not totally gone you know they're there if you're open right but not everyone is yeah it's interesting because I think that part of part of how we perceive this transition of of death has to do with what we know about it and what we understand about it you know because I I, I remember being 20 years old, driving down the street. And one day I had this realization that every single human being that I would meet would one day leave this planet. And I remember feeling shocked that I didn't understand anything about death and that no one had had talked to me about it or sat me down or given me the wisdom of how to deal with these transitions and what it means and and that one day it was going to happen to me too, you know? And I remember just being in shock. And that put me on a path where I started to ask questions. And I sought out wisdom and guidance from different teachers that had explored this terrain. And fortunately, I had met some amazing people who had studied death and dying from many different traditions from around the world and and I had learned about it and by the time I, I came to the situation with my dad I had already studied it and and learned quite a bit about it and yeah and and I'm sure that that obviously has influenced how I've processed the situation and you know I always say to people don't believe what I'm telling you. Go and explore it and understand it for yourself. Go go and read something and then reflect on it and go for a walk with it and talk to other people about it. Explore it. Try to understand it. Get the direct experience with what you're learning about. That's true knowledge, true learning. And that's that's what I've uh, been up to, you know, in, in how I've processed and studied this topic of death and dying. And yeah, and it's uh, it's fascinating to read, you know, books like the the Tibetan Book of the Dead or the Egyptian Book of the Dead, um, and other incredible authors that that speak on this um, topic, like Samael Onwior from the Gnostic tradition, and you know, and to see the threads that run between all of these uh, teachers and what they share and this knowledge, and then to see where it sits with within yourself. And you know, to to learn from that, you know, so it's a, a big process that I think that 
an initiation in a lot of ways because we're all on that trajectory sooner or later. And I think it's one of the most empowering things to do is to learn about it because then when it does happen, it's going to be a little bit more familiar. Of course, it's it's never going to be uh, comfortable, I don't think, because life is a, one initiation after the next. And in the in the initiations that we face, it's an opportunity for us to grow. And growth is growth can challenge us in many ways. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. And it's so funny, right when you mentioned the Tibetan Book of the Dead, that was literally what I was thinking about. And I was thinking that, you know, in our culture, we don't have those types of teachings around death. Like we're not. Mm -hmm. And so then it becomes something that we fear, which is something I've thought about so much in the past couple of years since we've been dealing with everything that we've been dealing with and watching people go so much into fear around, you know, this, 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 situation and this virus and I'm thinking you know if if people weren't so in fear about death if people it just just basically accepting you know that we are all going to die one day just like you mm -hmm. said and there's an acceptance in that and that's one of the Buddhist teachings right it's like that there's certain things in life that are inevitable right and it's like one yeah. of like one of them is death birth death sickness yeah. old age all of these things like yeah. we, we can't get away from those things so there's something you know as you know this is sort of like a spiritual truth like that first we must accept something like and once we've accepted yeah. it then we can transform it then we can shift it but before we we accept it you know and so death is just something that we we have to accept that is is going to happen one day and although it's not always very pleasant to think about I think it's like anything the more that you allow yourself to explore it and think about it then it sort of loses its its grip on you right yeah absolutely and you know for me it was it was like when I ask those questions about like, what does it mean and what do we do and how does that work? And, you know, just wanting to come to a place of calm inside of myself around it, because I was scared when I had no knowledge of it, that it was, you know, this something that was like this impending thing that was going to happen for everybody that I know, you know, and since starting on that path of wanting to study and learn about it, of course, I've lost many people in my life um, over the years, and I've been able to process it in more of a, in a healthier way, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it is, it is sort of healthier, I guess, and everyone has their own way of looking at it. But to me, it's like, you know, and, but they also understand, especially like in, in the Tibetan culture and some of the other ones as well, like they understand how important that point of death is for our consciousness for our soul's consciousness right because it's like you know I think it's more widely accepted now people understand birth trauma and they understand that like having a child come into the world in a peaceful you know ease, yes. easy way will benefit that child for the rest of its life because birth trauma can sometimes cause you know sometimes people grow up and they have issues in life and they don't really understand why and then they find out later on like oh my mother had a really horrific pregnancy or she had a really traumatizing time birth 
working me. So it's like that moment that you entered into the world, if it's a peaceful, easy moment, like it's going to probably contribute to you having a more peaceful and easy life. And so it's, you know, they also recognize in these other cultures that that point of death is also very important as well. So like if we die in fear, if we die in trauma, then that sort of like becomes attached within the soul's consciousness. And then, you know, we might wake up in our, our next life all traumatized and all these kind of types of things. Whereas if we can leave our body in peace and, you know, have some awareness around that, then this is some really, you know, this is really sort of next level. So I find it, I'm glad that I found, I've met more and more people over the years who are interested in like, um, you know, a friend of mine went and did the death doula training and these types of things. So it's nice to see that these concepts are becoming more, more talked about and more made more aware of because that point when we when we come into the world and when we leave the world are very potent right oh gosh absolutely yes most definitely that that last moment or or up to the last moments it's very important to come to a place of calm and prayer you know to to move to prayer within yourself and to feel the gratitude for your life and and that peace, you know, to, to be in that place. And I, I remember two days before my dad, he said that he said, I want to die peacefully. And he looked at me because we were in the hospital and there was chaos all around us and basically was asking me to help make that happen, you know? And fortunately that's, that's exactly what we were able to experience with him um, at his request, but he had called it, you know, that, that, that's what, that's where he wanted to be. That's how he wanted it to be. And that was it, you know? So, and, and I, I agree with you. It is very important and to support our, our loved ones and, and friends um, when they do come to that place in their life to, to help them uh, as much as we can with finding that calm and peace and, and serenity. Uh, and it will help them in the long run. And it will also help the family because it, you know, when we know that that those around us are okay, we feel more at ease. We feel more at peace, even if they're diff- dealing with a very challenging and difficult situation mentally and emotionally and physically. We can be in those very challenging situations and still feel at peace and be okay and tell someone, you know what, I'm okay. And we can feel that from them and, and sense that from them. And I know for my dad, he was very uncomfortable uh, physically and he was also okay he let us know that he was all right mm-hmm. and you know and I think about myself and I think about you know when the time comes for me and you know of course you're going to want to I'm going to want to let people know that I'm all right you know that uh, everything's okay because everything is okay you know we're all part of this incredible journey of infinity and eternity and beauty and and God and light and love and wisdom. And, and when we align with that, of course, everything is good. Mm, it is. Well, it's like, we're just going right back to where we we're going right back to where we came from. You know, I remember a, a friend of mine passed away about, it was probably about seven or eight years ago now, but she was somebody at the time that I saw almost every day. So that was the first experience of me, like having somebody that was like so close to me. And it was, it was like unbelievable. I just couldn't even believe that I was never going to see her again. But at the yeah. same time, like I felt her spirit, just like I could feel her up there. Like, yeah 
like like she was just like such a living goddess on on the earth and in life but I just felt like the the her passing just like liberated her and I could just and it's funny after that like I remember I went to see like a couple healers and they were all like who is this woman around you? They're like, she's like looking over you like a, like she's like, she's like this warrior goddess. And she was literally a warrior. She came from a warrior tribe in Fiji. And I was like, oh yeah, I know who that is. Like, they're like, she, she was around. Like she, and I, I still feel her. I can feel, you know, and it was like her, her work here was, you know, was done. It was the same with another, I don't know if you ever knew Randy Ponzio, but he was a musician in, in Vancouver and he sort of tragically passed away. It was about, I would say at least six or seven years years ago now um but you know he was so well loved and mm-hmm. there were 300 people out looking for him the night that he went missing like he was so well loved everybody loved him but it was like his death although tragic it brought an entire community of people together it connected mm-hmm. people I still met people and connected with them and I'm connected with them now because of him he brought so mm-hmm. many people together and people felt it even people that didn't know him were like who who was he like who and like his music became larger than life like everything so there is mm-hmm. this it is something that we just have to accept you know that death is a part of 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 life and and you know that there is sort of life after death it's just maybe not how we how we how we think it is right yeah you know I, I remember being a kid and in our household my parents would talk about it you know just how in India there's you know that it's it's in the way that they would describe it it's part of life it wasn't something separate you know it was integrated into daily life because there were so many people and many of them were sick and many of them were dying so it was and more are being born and and more kids are running around and playing and it was this acceptance and acknowledgement that everything coexists together and god is everywhere and it's thanks to god that we're here and, and, you know, it kind of instilled this, this feeling of, okay, yes, that, that we're all, everything is here together. You know, we're, we're, we're all in this together and we're here together. And yeah, and I just remembered that that was a uh, uh, beautiful teaching that they had shared with me, you know, throughout my childhood, just to instill that understanding and acceptance of life and death. Mm, that's beautiful and and it and it and so it should be because again it's it's just like arguing with reality to to pretend yeah. that, you know although I do I do know one person who who believes in physical immortality and he believes that it's possible not to die that's another story that's like some kind of high level yogi thing but I would say for the most part the majority of us are going to you know we're going to come here and and we're going to leave one day so we can we can prepare for that too like you know my Tibetan teacher he talks about that a lot he talks about like you know we're here to serve in this life and then we're yes. here to do preparation for the next life actually yes. it's not you know yes. and, and, they, and he and his teacher they also say like to get to enlightenment you have to work hard and when you're enlightened you have to work even harder so it's like yes. it, 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 it never ends right it's like I think sometimes we're looking for this end like whether and, and there isn't yes. really an end for the soul right and that's the beautiful yes. thing is that the soul actually goes goes on forever and ever so and, and then again I, for me it just 
always brings me back to like every time somebody passes away, whether they're close to me or far, it's just this reminder of how, you know, we should always try our best to enjoy the moments that we have while we have them with the people that we're with while they're here. Because, you know, I'm sure we've all experienced this. Sometimes something happens and, you know, people do just leave suddenly and it's, it's happening a lot. I'm glad we're having this conversation because um, there are many, many people right now that are every time I go on Facebook or something, it's like a lot of, a lot of people are transitioning um, Mm -hmm. off of the planet right now for, for different reasons. So I think, you know, death is something that a lot of us are really having to take a a good look at. Yes. Yes. No, I, I'm really glad that you shared that with what your teacher said, you know, that we've got to put the effort in now. And then, uh, you know, as we rise to the occasion, there's going to be more effort that, that we put in and, how how I connect with that is that we're driven by our spirit to thrive and to radiate light. And that that light is consciousness and consciousness is constantly expanding. So, so there's no end, you know, it continues. And uh, yet there's effort, more and more effort that we have to put in uh, when we're on that path. So yeah, it's a very good reminder. <laughs> very good one. I'm just looking for yeah. a, a little quote because, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh passed away, the, the great, yes. wonderful. But but I, I found this quote of his yesterday that I posted because I thought it was brilliant. He said, there is no birth. There is no death. There is no coming. There is no going. There is no same. There is no different. There is no permanent self. There is no annihilation. We only think there is. Mm. Yeah, this is such high level stuff that most people can't even grasp because we're so attached to everything. But this is what these a lot of especially the Eastern mystics have always been telling us that it's all illusory. Like there is no there's the birth and death of a human, but the soul is not. I don't know where when we're how when and how were our souls birthed? Like that's just next level. Like that's I, I don't even know the answer to that. That's like so beyond me. But that's the truth, right? Is that and that's the a lot of the you know the 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 scriptures are telling us this like we're never born and we never die. Like we're, we are, we are pure consciousness and yet we come into this form and we, we forget, (laughs) we forget everything. And then some of us are trying to remember some of us, that's not what this life is about. Some people are not on a, you know, and that's fine. That that's, that is their journey. But you know, us, you know, we've known each other for a long time now and we've been on this, you know, our, our trajectory, which is very much one of, I would say like enlightenment and higher consciousness and this, and that's not everybody's path, but it's, I find it fascinating. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I would agree wholeheartedly that I remember the first time I I thought about enlightenment, like what it came into my mind, I remembered thinking like, yeah, that's it. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but whatever that is, that's it. <laughs> and I mean, I, re- I really was, you know, just in my t- like, probably 21 or 22 years old. And, you know, when uh, I remember I was at uh, Kripalu in Massachusetts, like the yoga center. I was there for some course or something like that. And it hit me then. And, and I remembered I shared with one of my friends and I said, do you think there's anything other than that in, that we're supposed to be focusing on our own in our life? <laughs> As if she's like my soul sister, right? That she knows what I'm talking about. I remember this lovely gal. And uh, she kind of looked at me and she's like, no, I think that's it. I think that's why we're supposed to, I think that's why we're here. And it was like this kind of eureka moment, you know, and then of course, 20 years later, here we are. 
it's just so so cool how we know before we really know but I think that's also the sign of that your soul already has some of those that knowledge and that your soul already has that quality because I had a similar experience um so one of my mentors told me one day I'm going to take you to meet my mentor so I said okay so her mentor was she's passed on now but she was a woman um her name was Swatantra Jyoti and she basically spent most of her life so I went to sit with her and basically this woman spent probably 12 hours of a, her day in meditation and she was just in this state of bliss. And, and we just sat there and we meditated with her. But then she said, which is kind of her teaching that she said over again, which is like, you're never born, you never die. You are pure source consciousness and your yeah. true soul, your true self is always in a state of bliss. And that's mm-hmm. basically what you're, that, that is basically the true essence of who you are. And when she said that to me, it was like, I knew it already. I, I understood exactly, like, I know exactly what you're talking about because it was the same for me. It was like, I knew what she was saying was true. It rang in my body every, and I just accepted it. And it was like, I just digested. I took that teaching from her. And I'm really glad the last time that I saw her, I actually went to her and I brought her flowers. And I just said, thank you so much for sharing that with me because that changed my entire life. But it was this knowing, just exactly like you said, it was like, I just knew that that was true. Everything in my yes. being knew that was the truth. That was the truth so it sounds like the same so it's like I think if you have that um, like my teacher would call it like seeds of enlightenment we have those Mm -hmm. seeds already planted in us maybe from other lives maybe from who knows where but you know if they're there and if we gravitate towards them then I I think that you know the more that like we water those seeds they can grow and maybe we will become maybe we will be enlightened you know (laughs) I don't know maybe yes maybe it's this life maybe it's the next I I don't know but I feel like that collectively this is where we're a lot of us are putting our energy into now there's many people on the planet now like me and you and we are Mm -hmm. that is our focus you know yes we're doing whatever it is that we do in the world and that's you know important but it's really about the enlightened consciousness right yeah awakening our consciousness every day step by step yes absolutely so um alexina please tell everyone where can they find you if they want to learn more about your your offerings and your teachings and all the wonderful things that you do thank you yeah, you know, the best place is my website. So it's www.dralexinametha.com. And on there, you can find information about upcoming events. And if anybody wants to book a consult, you can find me there. And yeah, feel free, you know, if you have other opportunities like this to speak to groups, that's something that I really love to do is to educate and to connect uh, feel free to email me at dralexinametha at gmail.com and uh, happy to explore possibilities with you that way. Uh, also online conferences, that kind of thing. I'm very open to collaborate with other people who are on a similar path uh, in sharing this kind of work. And yeah, just uh, really ha- thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And thank you to everybody who's taken the time to listen here today to us uh, connect and share. Oh, well, thank you so much. And just also this last piece here, do you want to tell everyone what your last name means, just in case they don't know? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) well, Metta means loving kindness. And uh, while we're on the name game, um, I'll share that my middle name actually is Cleopatra. It's not something that I just made up. (laughs) It, It actually means Cleopatra. 
And um, my actually, my dad gave that that name to me, and it means glory to the father, which I thought was really cool. You know what's funny? I actually thought that you changed your name because you went to Egypt. And after you went to Egypt, I saw you. So I was like, did she change her name to like like Cleopatra? So that's so fun. I didn't actually realize that that was your, that's, that's awesome. With that, that middle name. Yeah. And then my yes. first name, uh, Alexina means helper and defender of humankind. Hello. Perfect. Like what a blessed name, destined to be a queen, destined to be a helper and destined to do it in a, in a, in a, in a a loving kindness way. So beautiful. Thank you so much for for coming on and chatting. It's always such a pleasure. And I just know that um, such a, I know that people will benefit a lot and please get in touch with her and yeah, you share lots on Instagram too. A lot of people that are listening or on social media, I know you, you share lots of good gems there every day too. So thank you so much, Alexina. Awesome. Have a wonderful rest of your day, everyone. Thanks again. Bye, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.